Divorce TV News time again and we have an expert interview with Susan Piscadois from Changing Marriage Institute. This should be a very interesting conversation. I have a shared story from the archives, a video from a divorcing dad and a healing we'll be finishing off with with Sarah Jane Lewis who's a holistic Eleni, start again, a holistic energy practitioner. But let's now move on with the news. First story today is uh, from the BBC. Civil partnerships call for same-sex affairs to be grounds for split. As you'll see, they're a little bit late with this one. There are calls for same-sex affairs to be recognised as adultery when couples split. A woman from Cardiff said she was perplexed that infidelity was not a ground for ending her civil partnership as it was with a marriage type of divorce. This is obviously in the UK. Equality should apply in every aspect of the legal system, she said. Absolutely. The Ministry of Justice said a new no-fault divorce bill coming into effect in April will spare all couples the blame game, which as we know is the good news. But nonetheless, mother of Amy, mother to Amy, not her real name, described the end of her relationship as devastating. Believing her wife was having an affair, she said her own behaviour changed as she repeatedly checked location apps in the hope of catching her out. It's all so cliché, she said. All of a sudden, she had to have her phone with her the whole time, taking it into the bathroom with her. It was more evening meetings, weekends away, and then absolute classic that this name kept coming up in conversation all the time. Amy told BBC Wales Live that she had no idea that the legal definition of adultery only recognised sexual intercourse between two people of the opposite sex. Why is there what seems to be clear discrimination, she said. Good point. It's all fine for same-sex people to have marriage, but we're not allowed to divorce on the grounds of adultery. It's a bit like <laughs> it's a bit like um, uh, Queen Victoria saying that you know, being a lesbian doesn't exist, that women can't have... It, it sort of feels a bit the same. It's completely ridiculous, but she's absolutely right to complain about it. But hopefully it's soon going to be not an issue because... Um, Amy, in this case, she had to apply to end the relationship on the grounds of unreasonable behaviour, a process that she found incredibly difficult. Um, I have to say, Amy, it should have come to me. It isn't difficult. Uh, we have a template. Um, and actually, I always encourage, if you're thinking and you're you're not in a same-sex couple and you're considering divorce in the UK and you don't want to wait till April, then um, do consider not using adultery wherever possible and using unreasonable behaviour because on the whole it's actually a lot less complicated and a lot less um, tricky. I can't help but wonder, she said, if I would have handled things differently if I had known that I could never have used adultery anyway, she said. I presume she means by that that she, she might not have had to kind of try to find proof in that way, uh, which probably would have been the case and surely that would have been a benefit. Amy now wants to see the same progress on marriage equality in recent years as in the divorce re reforms. To end a civil partnership in England and Wales an individual will need to prove the relationship is broken down and cannot be saved citing one of four reasons. They are unreasonable behaviour, desertion, separation for two years if both parties agree to end it and separation for five years if one disagrees. So for divorcing opposite sex couples, those grounds also apply, but adultery is also available as a reason. 
Family lawyer Elizabeth Saxby said the legal definition of adultery was from 1973 and probably isn't fit for purpose anymore. The research all points to it being kinder for families to have a no-fault option, she said. So rather than trying to amend the older laws and the laws surrounding adultery, they have concentrated on making it kinder for families. She said she understood the frustration of same-sex couples and hoped the changes next spring would benefit everyone. The Ministry of Justice said the new divorce bill would spare separating couples the need to apportion blame. Instead, a spouse or a couple will be able to apply for a divorce by making a statement of irretrievable breakdown. By sparing them the need to play the blame game, we are removing the antagonism that this creates so families can better move on with their lives, a spokesperson said. Well, let's hope it does come in April because it was supposed to happen this year and they moved it. Bill Gates is at the lowest point on the Forbes list for 30 years, apparently because of his divorce. So the net worth of Microsoft co-founder of this Microsoft co-founder rose $23 billion in last year so he's still doing okay, but was outpaced by Bezos, Musk and Zuckerberg. Bill Gates is at his lowest point, says the Independent, on the Forbes 400 rich list in 30 years following his divorce from Melinda Gates. The co-founder of Microsoft Times, one of the richest people in the US, has come to an end, partly because of stock transfers prompted by the end of his marriage. It's the first time since 1991 that Mr Gates doesn't occupy the number one or number two slot on the Forbes 400 that ranks the wealthiest people in the US. Mr Gates' net worth rose by $23 billion from last year and he's now worth around $134 billion. He was outpaced by Jeff Bezos of Amazon, Elon Musk of Tesla and Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, leaving Mr Gates in the number four spot. I don't think he minds, though. The rising share prices of Amazon, Tesla and Facebook left Mr Gates behind, but he also lost around $5.7 billion in shares in publicly traded companies to ex-wife Melinda French Gates following their divorce. I love the way they say lost. It's just so negative. It's like she's stolen it from him. Um, this was announced, the divorce was announced in May. Without the split, Mr Gates would have ended up on the third spot on the list of head, ahead of Mr Zuckerberg. But the net worths of billionaires can change fast. Following a six-hour Facebook shutdown on Monday, I hope you've all recovered from that, and investigations into how the company's platforms affect younger people, specifically how Instagram affects the mental health of teen girls, Facebook's stock price plummeted, costing Mr Zuckerberg Zuckerberg an estimated six billion dollars and putting Mr Gates back as the third richest person in the US. And last we come to the Tatler. Songwriter Kirsty Bertarelli lands record-breaking 350 million pound divorce settlement. The former Miss UK has splits with her billionaire businessman husband Ernesto Bertarelli. So from her days as a beauty queen to her career as a singer-songwriter and her marriage to Italian-born Swiss businessman Ernesto Bertarelli, which led to her ranking as Britain's richest woman on the 2017 Sunday Times Rich List, Kirsty Bertarelli has had quite the gilded life, says the article. Now her financial standing is set to become even more towering amidst reports she's been awarded a £350 million divorce settlement. According to the Daily Mail, the 50-year-old has undergone a secret divorce from Ernesto, which has come as a surprise to many following 21 years of marriage to her billionaire husband. 
A spokesman for the former couple told the paper, it is with sadness that Ernesto and Kirsty Bertarelli confirmed that they have divorced. He added that the decision was a shared one and the separation amicable. Excellent. Concluding all issues arising from the divorce have been settled and they would respectfully ask for privacy for their whole family at this time. As this is a private matter, there will be no further comment. Ernesto and Kirsty, who have three children together, are believed to have separated this year before their divorce was agreed in the summer. The former husband and wife were listed together at 14th place in this year's Sunday Times Rich List with a combined estimated fortune of £9.2 billion, larger than the GDP of a number of countries like the Bahamas and Armenia. Although the size of Kirsty's settlement has not been publicly disclosed, the Mail speculates that she has accepted a sum of £350 million, making her the wealthiest British-born divorcee in legal history. Her total fortune is now thought to exceed that of the Queen, as well as famous pop stars including Sir Mick Jagger and Ed Sheeran. See, that's how it works out if you do a, a good prenup. Um, no fighting, everything's peaceful and you st still end up stinking rich. On top of the settlement, Kirsty has also reportedly received a lavish contemporary home located beside Lake Geneva in Switzerland, purchased, purchased this year for £52 million. She's also the owner of an £8 million ski chalet in the glamorous Swiss resort of Gstad. Kirsty is understood to have signed a prenuptial agreement ahead of her marriage to Bertarelli in 2000. This could be the key bit. A source dubbed a friend told the mail the settlement was more generous than it had to be. They didn't want a long drawn out court case in Switzerland and he wanted to recognise the length of their marriage. Kirsty plays a key role as a trustee for her husband's family's Bertarelli Foundation, which focuses on neuroscience research and marine conservation. Her activities with the foundation have been particularly orientated on community work in Stoke-on-Trent, near where she grew up such as establishing a bursary scheme for disadvantaged students at Staffordshire University. Well, hopefully she's got plenty of money to, to help support that ongoing, so that's great work, Kirsty. So we're going to now move on to our expert interview. Welcome, Susan. Thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you, Susie, for having me. I'm happy to be here. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation uh, because you, oh, there are obviously I come across people who they don't really want to divorce. They've got children, but they just can't stay married. Uh, and you've come up with another solution, haven't you? I have. After working with, uh, you know, divorcing and unhappily married couples for about 17 years, I um, I developed something because I had a couple who couldn't decide whether to stay or go. And I said, why don't you do both after working with them for several months? And that was the beginning of what I call the parenting marriage. And it's become quite a popular option, not just in the U.S., but all over the world, actually. And um, it's something where if the romantic connection between a couple's gone and it's not going to come back, but... So, so normally the couple would divorce, but they have children and they therefore want to stay for the kids. They can actually stay in a way that is on purpose. And I call it doing a parenting marriage by design rather than by default. So it feels better. That sounds, that sounds uh, perfect initially. And then my first thought in my mind is, 
what if they want to have other relationships or I mean, obviously they can't go off and get married to someone else if, uh, if they're still married so how how does that all work do they basically have to become abstinent no they don't have to become abstinent and it is absolutely one of the trickiest aspects of the parenting marriage I tell people who are starting to do one that that's really advanced and I would never tell people to get into a relationship quickly um, Generally speaking, the, the way that this works best, the parenting marriage, that is, is when both people in the couple agree that the marriage that they once had is over and that they're switching the, the focus from a love-based relationship to a purpose-based relationship. So when that happens, people can often let go of the, the need to be the other person's uh, only partner. It doesn't always work. It can be tricky. That's where counseling can come in and, and really help the person who's having a hard time if their partner has moved on to be more accepting of the reality. So it, it does work. I mean, it's, it's something I'm getting people inquiring every day about this. So I know it's struck a nerve with people. Um, do you... I suppose my first thought is that the the because I know people who you know, they've um, had open relates like having an open relationship I guess in a way and as you said right. it can be tricky because sometimes it's not very balanced shall we say but if you can get that balance right and you're going into it in a very conscious way does does do the couple need to be living in the same house as the children is that kind of part of how it works it is usually part of how it works but I will say I've had people who actually get divorced. And then, you know, so they're legally not together, but they want to stay in the same house and they can do that. And I've had couples who live in separate homes, but, you know, consider themselves in a parenting marriage and never go through a divorce. So there are all kinds of variations and it depends on what the couple needs. And I do want to just say that the biggest difference between an open marriage and a parenting marriage is that the primary focus in a parenting marriage is on the kids, whereas the primary focus in an open marriage is on sexual relationships yeah. with other people. Well, yeah. And that's a really important point to make, yes. And do you, um, do you feel that, that this is something, is, this is something that's, you said it's all around the world, but it, is there other particular cultures and particularly even parts of America, particular cities who've embraced this more? Uh, I think where there tend to be more progressive uh, mindsets, so generally speaking on, you know, the east and west coasts of the U.S., there tend to be more people interested. I think much of Canada and Europe has been way ahead of the US in terms of progressive options for couples. You mentioned in the intro the civil unions, and we really don't recognize civil unions in the US. So, yeah. So, um, I think that wherever cultures are more open to options for couples uh, rather than the traditional one-size-fits-all, male-female, you know, living in the same house, having made a vow to stay together forever. Um, so, yeah. And, I mean, I love the idea of, uh, of I think every every marriage, every co-parenting relationship needs to be bespoke for that couple. So I'm, that's why I was really keen to hear, 
to hear these other other ways of doing it. Um, one thought that does come into my mind, only mainly because I've just been running a divorcing a difficult spouse workshop, and it, there's a lot of lot of dysfunctional relationships where there's um, people very much on the narcissism spectrum is how do you when you're working with people avoid this just becoming effectively a way of keeping control of the other person and and continuing the abuse through the co-parenting well thank you for asking that question i there are many couples for whom a parenting marriage is not a good fit and a narcissistic person in the couple is one of those situations another example of that is someone where there's where there's addiction um, where there's any kind of domestic violence or abuse going on. So I do tell people this is not an option for everyone. And so it, it probably wouldn't work if one of the people in the couple is narcissistic. Yeah. There needs to be a real um, balance it, of power, should we say, and, and good, yeah. very good communication. And how, how do the children um, take to this? Well, one one thing I wanted to add, which ties into this question, is the fact that you know if you're going to stay together and have a toxic relationship, don't you're not doing the kids any favor. So um, it is better sometimes to split. There are some couples who simply cannot stop fighting, but generally speaking, when it works well and the couple, both people accept that the marriage is over and they they want to cohabitate then they, they can hold it lightly and just present it to the kids. By the way, mom and dad are not going to spend as much time together. Uh, have you noticed that we've stopped fighting? It's because we just agreed that we're going to just, you know, not spend as much time together. But we still love you and we're still, we're always going to be your parents. And that's really what kids need to know is that they are loved and that their parents respect each other. I could see a, a really powerful um, application for this for as a transition. So sometimes people uh, here, and I'm, I don't know if they do it much in the States, will have a, a separation agreement because they just can't face going for the whole divorce yet. But often it's it's just another expense, really. And, and, and I, I often say to them, just get on with it. But to have something like this where, if, where they can work together and they have got a good co-parenting relationship and they just just don't want to um, pretend if anymore if you like I could see this could be a, a great thing that either either as a ongoing but also potentially as a transition till they're ready and the children are ready because presumably it does involve certain changes there may be things that they need to sort out financially how mm -hmm. does the sort of practical side work um, I love that you picked up on that a parenting marriage can be used in several different ways. One is just as a timeout for couples to just say, you know, we don't know what we want to do. We need some time and space. It can also be used as one, one couple I worked with called it a soft landing to divorce. And I love that. And they basically used it and figured out their finances and their custody but they were still living in the same house and then they ultimately got divorced and the, their daughter was already used to living in that way. And it can also be used as something until the last child's out of the house, off to college or a job. And it can, in some cases, be used 
indefinitely. So I have one couple here in the Bay Area that just has continued to live like this because it works. So, you know, why not? But it's a very flexible option that can, as you said, it, it helps people feel like they're doing this because it's their choice and they're not stuck in a in a bad situation. They're not just separated, getting on well. They're actually in a parenting divorce. I, oh, I think I think it's so oh, parenting marriage. Sorry, <laughs> I think that's a, a fantastic uh, concept. I'd love to. We must talk. I'd love to to uh, have a chat with you uh, sometime next week and and talk about that because I think it's a, a great idea. What's your advice to anyone who's watching who's thinking, oh, you know, that sounds like a, a, a good option? Is there anything apart from making sure there's a good balance of power, should we say, in the relationship? There needs to be fundamentally the ability to work together as co-parents. Uh, is there any particular advice you give? For example, create a co-parenting plan. I imagine yes, it would be exactly. a good start. Yes, I was going to yeah. say clarity and you know, um, couples can get a postnup if they would like. So that's the agreement yeah. that lays out what their finances are going to be and all and all the custody. I I have a workbook called the Parenting Marriage Workbook where I have a template in there with some examples of what people have agreed to, and the couple can obviously personalize that agreement. But without question, the more you can discuss and agree on the less room there is for dashed expectations or fighting over something. And one of the things I've found with, uh, particularly with women who have come to me for, to find out about divorce, I always say, don't, don't get stuck on the D word. You know, do you want financial independence? Cause that's often at the root of it. And they usually say yes. And so, as you said, a, a post up looking at the financial situation, apart from making, if they do then divorce, they've done all the hard work. Exactly. But sometimes, actually, they then are quite happy to stay married because they've got that. You know, they've sorted stuff out that they just hadn't really talked to talked about before. So, no, that's wonderful. I look forward to finding out more. Thank you so well, much for coming you. on the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, and I love the work that you're doing. It's a great service. Thank you. Speak to you soon. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye bye. Wow, I love that. That's so cool. I'm looking forward to finding out more. The more options, the more ways we have of independently organising our own lives with our children and uh, not just getting stuck on one railway track, the better. Quick learning. So I'm still working through, I love this, the uh, Children's Bill of Rights. And this is by Robert Emery, PhD. He wrote this as Professor of Psychology at the University of Virginia. And these are the 10 Bill of Rights for the children who are of divorce. And any of you who are parents who are in any stage of divorce, it'd be really good to read them. Uh, they're very powerful. So we're on number eight. And number eight is the right to have feelings. This is your child's right to have feelings, to express feelings and to have both parents listen to how they feel. You think, yeah, obviously, but actually think about it. I mean, I can certainly hold my hand up for this. 
quite often when we're going through difficult times as parents is all about our worries and our problems and uh, we don't always make time to listen to what the children are worried about but the real problem here is they don't want to tell us because they don't want to load more on top of us they see we're unhappy or concerned or worried so they don't want to add to that so what I would really encourage you to do uh, because they're not necessarily necessarily going to tell you what's going on for them even if you ask them is think about not just counseling but coaching you can get some great uh, uh, kids coach especially for teenagers they don't necessarily want to go to a counsellor but a coach can be really valuable somebody independent trained who can talk to them and listen to them and hear their worries who is never going to snitch so um, the other one is possibly close family members but they your child would have to really trust that that, that close family member was not going to allow you to find out what are they worried about what do they say because the whole point is it has to be confidential so the right to have feelings to express your feelings and to have both parents listen to how you feel put that one on the fridge and for our shared story now it's one from the archives it was a a father who was a member of the secret divorce group and he very uh, anonymously with his voiceover he uh, shared his story and I really love this story and I do encourage any of those who are at a point where you feel you have got something to share that you think would be useful uh, to others do get in contact I would love to to record that and you can do it anonymously if you want I suppose what I would say is, you know, tonight, you know, it's a beautiful day out there. It's sunny. It's warm. Um, you know, I've been in a relatively sort of good mood. Um, it's one of those sort of evenings, you know. So I, I, I and you know, I quite often put a positive spin on things, but that masks what um, is, you know, still, still a complete roller coaster, you know. So actually, you know, I think anyone it was, I think it, I, I remember. Yeah, actually, it was a week last Monday. And I just had a really low day, and um, and and then in the evening, I think it was just before that Wednesday when everything was supposed to be, you know, a bit more free and easy with the lockdown slightly, and I just had to get in the car and just drive. I, I just, you know, I, I really felt low. With that comes an element of acceptance, but also sort of shock that I'm still in this situation where, a, you know, I'm in a sort of limbo. We, you know, we are because we're still in the same house. And, you know, that that hasn't changed. And also sort of emotionally as well still, you know. And there's an element of trauma, you, you know, like, you know, being sort of on the receiving end of someone who had an affair. To whatever extent, and I still don't even know the extent, I think it was a cry for help on her part as much as anything. And um, it, I mean, the other thing I'm aware of is that, you know, you know, I mean, yeah, our eight-year-old daughter, well, there's still a few years to go there, of course, but, you know, probably she's entering her teenage years soon. I mean, she's already has so much mobility, you know, going into the yeah. town with her friend. You know, before I know it, she'll have that sort of freedom. You know, was it really worth that huge battle, potentially legal battle, financial, to go through the, the childcare arrangements, you know? And so the question really is, you know, in terms of using um, your sort of strategy approach, you know, your yeah, and your guidance, what the advantage has been. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's, it's a sort of simple answer in some ways because it's it, it means that um, it's taken a sort of holistic approach where, um, you know, it's kept all what is an incredibly complex process um, glued together in some way um, and not just a, a sort of chaotic um, a mess of 
legality, emotions, finances. It's kept a sort of a balance between all of those things um, with a way forward in most things, you know, whether it's emotionally, financially, legally, you know, that initial conversation is useful because, um, you know, um, it means, and I think that's the point I was at when I went to the financial workshop, um, although it wasn't just about the finances, um, it was realizing that, you know, the sort of balance was swinging towards a situation where, you know, things were not going to work out. Um, but it was having an anchor of some kind to, to grab hold of and, you know, not just be in a sea of absolute chaos, you know. So, yeah, I think, I mean, actually what we talked about, about um, in terms of sort of quality of um, time and the way you spend time with others, whatever those relationships are, um, account for a lot, actually. Um, and I never appreciated that. And that's why I am in this position, you know. Um, not, you know, it's not just me, of course it's not me, but, um, and there are lots of reasons why that may have happened, but I never appreciated enough what I had actually, you know, and um, so I, if the benefit comes, and it's still early for me in that, I think, um, but if there's a benefit to it all, then um, it's, it's, it's sort of, you know, a new lease of life, but with an ability to, um, um, you know, well, yeah, appreciate what I, what I have around me and live in the moment more because I never lived in the moment, that was the problem. It was always, you know, looking at the future, bigger, better, you know, wanting more. And even though that was in the interest of my family, as I thought, it wasn't really because what they wanted is me, you know, and they wanted me here. And by the time I realized that, it was too late, you know, so in terms of the relationship and the life, you know. Um, so yeah, something like that. <laughs> I find that such a moving little piece and I really honour uh, him for sharing that because I'm sure, I'm sure that will speak to many, many, many dads. Just want to say a little thing on that note of staying on track and not uh, going down the wrong road. Uh, it's fantastic that he got that realisation in the end that's going to benefit his co-parenting relationship as well with his his ex-wife ongoing but um i i have come across recently some lovely people who were part of the secret divorce group which i keep at 29 pounds or 29 dollars depending on which country you come in from because everyone can pretty much afford that and they get 30 days free and the reason i bang on about it is i do that for a reason because it's very easy to go off track and to have all that information from a workshop or a session and then get waylaid. And I consistently have people who leave and the next thing I know, you know, six months later, they're back and they've spent £5,000, £10,000 on legal fees, which they may have been able to avoid. But more importantly, they're really stressed and confused. And I just wish they stayed in the group because once a month I'm there on Zoom at eight o'clock to give them uh, that time if so if they can't afford a one-to-one -one session just you can come into that session very few people turn up so they practically get me for the whole session and just being able to text and message in the group because it's so important to keep on top of these things you can't just get a hit of information and then expect everything to flow because it is complex and it is emotionally confusing so i just thought i'd put that bit in so let's move on to healing So 
I'm welcoming now Sarah, Sarah Jane. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sarah. Hello, thank you. Thank you for having me. And what exciting healing are you going to be doing with us? So I'm going to do one of my key feature um, meditations, which is all about your future self, which is really important um, area that you should focus on when you're especially going through this process. Um, you can get very caught up in the now or even the past and tend to neglect actually what is your end goal, whether you're the divorcing party or you're being divorced. It's, it's really key to actually imagine and indulge yourself in what you would like your life to be. So meditation is a great way to escape from what's going on right now, but also to focus and direct your thoughts and actions in the right way. And I, I like what you said there, indulge yourself, because unfortunately for a lot of women, we, we, we think, especially we think it's some kind of, um, we, we shouldn't be allowed to give ourselves some time and to think about what we want because we're just so busy coping. But actually it's really, really important for our mental health and physical health, isn't it? And I, I love the way that you're using meditation in this. Um, it's not, not just to chill, but to, to use it in a very constructive way. So before we um, launch into it, it do, do people just sit quietly? Give us a little guidance of what we. So what I'll do, I will. Yes, yes. What I'll do is I'll, I'll work you through the process. So you can sit with your eyes open if you want to, um, or you can sit with your eyes closed. That tends to be the best way. Sit upright. And this can be done in less than five minutes. So you don't need to spend a great amount of time. So you don't need to be the expert meditator. So just follow my guidance, my instructions, and you will be absolutely fine. And people will, of course, be able to re-read it, watch this at any time if they want to have another hit. So that's great. Thank you. I shall give you the floor. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining me this evening. What I would like you to do, if you could close your eyes, if you're comfortable with that, and I want you to take a deep breath in, and I really want you to fill your lungs and fill your belly coming out. So deep breath in. And as you exhale through your nose or your mouth, just let everything go. And again, deep breath in, nice long deep inhale. And exhale. One more time. Deep belly filling breath in and exhale. Now all I want you to do now is just to keep your eyes closed and I want you to visualize just your body relaxing and I'm gonna work you through this process. So from the very, very top of your head, I want you to relax all the hairs on your head, going down your neck, just relax the muscles and if you want to, just move your shoulders. Sorry, I'm having trouble understanding right now. Move your shoulders, move your neck, side to side, roll your shoulders. Just let all that tension and worry just drift away. Just take your that focus and attention, your awareness down your arms, let your arms hang heavy. And we're just breathing normally now. You can't do anything wrong. There's no way to fail at this. 
just follow my instructions. Now bring your awareness back up your arms to the top of your shoulders. And you're just going to consciously relax each vertebrae of your back, your spine. Just taking that awareness down your spine to your hips. Just breathing normally as we're just relaxing our body and bringing focus and attention to any areas of our body that are tight. We hold stress in our body, so if you need to, just wiggle your hips, move around, just get rid of any stiffness. I want to take your awareness down from your hips to your knees, to your feet, and just take this as an opportunity just to roll your feet around, just move, loosen up your ankles. Just breathing normally. So take your attention back up your body. Just follow that line of energy back up your body to your knees, to your hips. And I want you to focus on the base of your hips, around your belly. This is where we hold a lot of tension. This is the area of our body which is all about security, safety, so just release any tension there. Just visually imagine all that tension just melting away and drifting away. Then take your awareness up to your heart. And if it feels tight or heavy, just breathe into that. Just become aware of it. And as you exhale, just release that tension out. Excellent, well done. Now take your focus and awareness, travelling back up your body to your throat, to your head. And this is where we're going to go through a visualisation exercise. So taking your attention to your forehead, imagine you've got a screen on the inside of your forehead with your eyes closed. I want you to imagine yourself, you're stood at the start of a bridge. On the left hand side at the start of this bridge is you now, how you stand today, everything in your life and the things that are going on. And on the other side of the bridge is a version of you, maybe six months, 12 months down the line. And I want you to take a moment to visualize, to think about what does this future you look like? What is that person wearing? What is that person doing? And I really want you to indulge. I really want you to focus on the positive aspects. I really want you to dream big. I really want you to think of all those things that maybe you've not let yourself open up to the possibilities of happening. So imagine that person on the other side of the bridge, they might be happy, they might be out having an adventure, they might be at the beach, they might be doing all the things, passions, hobbies, anything that's been on that bucket list. So take a moment now just to visualise at the top, in front of your forehead, on your TV screen that you're projecting out, 
what this future version of you is doing right now. And I want you to feel what they're feeling. I want you to think about what are they doing with that life? How's it impacting them? You can come back to this at any time. Just build on that, make the colors brighter and bigger and more detailed. And then go back to you now, the start of that bridge on the left-hand side of that bridge. And I want you to take that big step forward onto the bridge, that step forward into the future. And you're walking over the bridge and with every step you're getting closer, you can see this future version of you. And they look happy. They're having an amazing time. They're positive, they're focused, they're achieving amazing things. And you're walking closer and closer to them. And as you come up to them, as you get over that bridge and you greet yourself on the other side, future you, you give them the biggest hug. And as you do that, you integrate with each other, you become one. The now version of you has become the future version of you. So just take a deep breath in and imagine that in your body right now. Just fire off all those visions of yourself, all those things you're doing across your body. Every muscle in your body, every cell has that picture of that future you. And just take a deep breath in and just smile and know that you're making positive steps and positive action towards that future view of yourself. And when you're ready, just wiggle your fingers, and wiggle your toes, and just open your eyes back to the moment now. So if you enjoyed that, then please feel free to visit www.sj-lewis.com forward slash meditation for a longer version and an audio copy of that meditation and a future self guide to help you work your way through. But thank you very much for listening to the meditation today. Thank you very much. And hopefully um, Sarah Jane will be putting links on after this goes this was live now, but within the next 24 hours, you should appear in the comments links so you'll be able to access more information about her as well. So thank you for joining me today and all my guests. And as we all know, in the war of divorce, on the battlefield of family separation, we must always make peace our weapon of choice.